Hi, this is Kate, the Editor-in-Chief at Military Spouse Magazine, and you're listening to Life Giver by Corey Weathers, a place for honest conversation about the military life. Listen in for tips on how to breathe life into your marriage and home. This is the place for you. Welcome to Life Giver Military Spouse Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope that will breathe life into your military marriage and home. This is Corey Weathers, and I'm so excited to share in this journey with you. My shout out goes to a woman who supported me through our first deployment, my first baby, and my first year as a military spouse. Without her support, um, I wouldn't have made it as far as I have. So to Nicole Arak, you are amazing in every way, shape, or form. Thank you for taking me under your wing and showing me and mentoring me um, all that you have. I love you and thank you for being you. Welcome to the third episode of Life Giver Military Spouse Podcast. This is Corey Weathers, and today we are kicking off the official launch of this podcast. And I thought one of the most important topics for us to discover would be what does it mean to actually be a life giver? You would have thought that this would be an easy topic for me to cover because I've been using this name for months, if not years, to describe my desire to bring life into the lives that I come in contact with. Often, though, what I've found is that it seems like it's more of the rule than the exception that whatever I'm going to talk about, I will definitely end up being dragged through the coals, needing to apply it to my own life first before teaching it to other people. It's any wonder that I'm still at it, teaching other people and delivering messages after what it feels like I go through. But that I hope that whatever comes from my experiences of going through this, that it will challenge you and encourage you and inspire you. But no matter how difficult it is for me before I lead up to a teaching, I I always know that I'm going to walk away a better person. I might be sore with growing pains, but I will definitely end up having a new perspective on my own challenges of being a military wife. So for days this week, for for days, I have been journaling out what does it mean to be a life-giving woman or a life-giving military spouse. I have devoted pages and pages of examples from other women that I've run into, opinions of other people, book quotes, and even scripture that speak to what a life-giver looks like. But then yesterday happened. Like so many of you know, I had that dreaded conversation with my husband You know what I'm talking about. It's that look like when he walks in the door and he knows something about your future and he's not really sure if you're going to take it as an incredibly exciting adventure or if it's just that the military has just now in this moment ruined any chance that you will ever have of being happy or successful at anything. Well, let's just say that my reaction yesterday was the latter. Now, I know myself well enough that I am not talented at adapting to things quickly which doesn't really fit in well with being a military spouse in this type of lifestyle. But what I do know is that after I have my reaction and once I work through it, I usually find hope and determination and creativity, whatever it is that I need to stay focused and find hope in what's most important to me. So I got up this morning, my eyes swollen from the tears of yesterday, and I thought about all of you. And I realized how thankful I am for a community that understands. For the moments that you're each having that force you to dig deep and find your source of life and strength. 
this lifestyle is not for the weak in spirit. It takes more than whatever that overly used word of resilience offers. No, friends, it takes grit and it takes passion and frankly, more than the human spirit can come up with on its own. So when I tried to narrow down what does a life giver look like in a military spouse, I realized this morning that there is no way to put it into one episode. In fact, this entire podcast is going to be full of examples of life givers from every branch of service in every situation that you can think of, overcoming sometimes everyday obstacles and some that are so unique that you can't even imagine surviving through it. But some of you have. And that's what I want this to be, a place where you're inspired to pick yourself up, return to your source of strength and drive forward doing amazing things that I know that you're doing. And if you just happen to be soaring during this season of your life, then you will know that it's your turn to be a life giver in someone else's life. So far this year for me has been the biggest year of personal growth that I think I have ever experienced. And it sometimes has been full of wonder, but it's brought with it constant stretching in my character that has been quite painful. Whether it was a challenge to find peace in the anticipation of the uncertainty or choosing maturity when I wanted to act like a child or holding my tongue when I thought the whole planet was using their personal megaphones to exercise free speech. And the biggest of all, testing where I would find my sense of worth. Was I going to find it in other people's opinions of me or maybe what I thought of myself that day in the latest opportunity or success? You see, in January, before the whole MSOI nomination, before podcasting was an idea, before my circle of influence expanded from my little tiny counseling office, I thought that it would be a great idea to study joy as a New Year's resolution. I had no idea that it was really designed to be a year of testing me on where would I get my joy from. So far, I can tell you, it does not come from success, ideas, people, or money. So far, I can tell you that it comes from connecting with other people with a common faith, a common set of values and a belief system. Joy comes from something totally outside of yourself. But I still have about four months to go in this process, and I'm sure I'm going to share a lot of that with you. So as we talk today about what is a life giver, I thought that we should probably start off by being specific that a life giver doesn't have to mean that you are creating human life. Although we as women, and most of us are women out there as military spouses, we may be often able to share in the joy of pregnancy and parenting. We're not limited to this. There are so many of you out there that are struggling with the burden of infertility and the daily emotional battle of watching those close to you easily have children. Being a life giver means that you're able to inspire and encourage life out of other people. I've seen some of you even be life givers with plants and animals. It's this ability to bring life and nurture something around you. Many of our spouses are men, and men can be life givers too. So whether you men out there are encouraging other men or investing in your children, or maybe you're communicating in loving ways to your wife, men can definitely inspire others and be life givers as well. So today, I'm going to give you what I believe every life giver must have in her life to stay a consistent life giver. When I thought about all the life-giving people in my life, they all had these in common. 
And so no matter what comes at you, this is three musts, if you will. Three musts that you must find within yourself. Because if you don't, what you'll actually produce is an empty life, void of hope, and you'll often find yourself living from crisis to crisis. So, number one, she absolutely must know her current passion and her calling. What is it that you love to do? What fires you up and makes you angry at the world? Is it injustice? Is it a child being neglected in school and not being taught well? Is it a new military spouse that's feeling scared and alone? Is it an FRG or key spouse group that's being underutilized or lacking leadership? Is it seeing spouses struggle with their career? A mom with younger kids struggling to find the next level of discipline or routine? Is it your own children eager to learn the next lesson that you want to teach them? A lot of times when I work with military spouses in counseling and they come to me depressed or they come to me feeling like they've just been tossed in the wind of the military and whatever the whims are and wherever the military is going to take them and they feel like they've been just drug all over the globe, I often ask them, what is it that you're passionate about? What is it that really gives you a sense of purpose that you feel like you can travel anywhere in the globe and you can still use that purpose and live out of that purpose? A life giver must define this or at least begin to find it so that she can find what she's currently passionate about and then be constantly working towards it as her future purpose. What is it that you can do right now to keep growing despite where the military sends you and whether or not it takes your spouse away from home? I personally have a very difficult time seeing the future and I can get very easily stuck in today. Fortunately and unfortunately, I find myself asking my husband to cast a future vision and help me make goals that can help me rise above whatever feels like the current roadblock. And I love that about him. I love that he has the ability to come up with ideas and strategy. And sometimes when I find myself stuck, I rely on him to help me see that future vision so I don't get discouraged. Some of you are opposite from this, and some of you might be so excited about taking your future ideas and strategies that you need to bring yourself back to your calling today in the here and now. So whatever it is, take a risk. Try to serve someone within your passion and see how it feels. Maybe you're so stuck into the future that you haven't actually taken the risk to do something today. Creativity is absolutely crucial to us as military spouses. Knowing your purpose will help you provide the hope that you need as your place and the people around you and the seasons are constantly changing. So let me let you in on a little secret. Our calling is rarely tied to things like your business, your craft that you're working on, or your idea. The most fulfilling calling will always involve other people who need the life-giving hope that your wisdom carries. I thought that a good way to show this is to share a clip with you by Brene Brown. Brene Brown is a social worker. She calls herself actually a social worker researcher. And she spent the last 10 years studying the effects of shame and how to deal with shame in our lives. And shame is that constant feeling of I am worthless. I am not important. I am a victim. I am fill in the blank. And shame is that thing that robs us of joy and connection in our life. And a lot of times I believe it robs us from purpose. And so let's take a moment just to listen to what Brene Brown says about the power of empathy. So what is empathy and why is it very different than sympathy? Empathy fuels connection 
Sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy, it's very interesting. Teresa Wiseman is a nursing scholar who studied professions, very diverse professions where empathy is relevant and came up with four qualities of empathy. Perspective taking, the ability to take the perspective of another person or, or recognize their perspective as their truth. Staying out of judgment, not easy when you enjoy it as much as most of us do. <laughs> recognizing emotion in other people and then communicating that. Empathy is feeling with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space when someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, and climb down. I know what it's like down here. And you're not alone. Sympathy is, ooh, <laughs> it's bad, uh-huh. Uh, no, you want a sandwich? Um, Empathy is a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice, because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. Rarely, if ever, does an empathic response begin with at least. I had a, yeah. And we do it all the time, because you know what? Someone just shared something with us that's incredibly painful, and we're trying to silver lining it. I don't think that's a verb, but I'm using it as one. We're trying to put the silver lining around it. So I had a miscarriage. Oh, at least you know you can get pregnant. I think my marriage is falling apart. At least you have a marriage. <laughs> John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just so glad you told me. Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection. I absolutely love Brene Brown, and I love what she shares. There's so much more out there that you can find on her. You can go to tedtalks.com and just put in the search box, Brene Brown, that's B-R-E-N-E, Brown, like the color brown. And you'll find at least three of her talks at the TED Talk conventions on her studying of shame and the power of empathy and how important it is for us to learn how to be vulnerable and share in our suffering with other people. So to sum up, number one, know what your current passion and calling is and be constantly thinking of ways to move that forward. Number two, life givers must be able to protect that calling. Protection involves both the offense and the defense. You must first be able to know how to take care of yourself. What do you need in order to replenish yourself? What are you doing to take care of your body and your mind and your spirit? You will have nothing to give, no life to offer if you're tired, grumpy, and irritable because you haven't been eating well, sleeping well, or taking care of your personal fitness goals. Each of you likely know what state that you're in physically and in your nutrition and in taking care of yourself and what you're needing to do to take care of yourself. Whether a doctor has told you, whether your spouse has mentioned it to you, you know what that is. 
So do something today that moves you in that direction of taking care of yourself. Just one thing. Try at least one thing to move yourself forward in taking care of yourself. Drink your water goal. Hit the gym today. Walk the block. Whatever it is, move forward in that goal of taking care of yourself. But a life giver must also work in the defense. Once you know what your calling is, it's much easier to say no to the energy wasters, whether it's tasks or people that suck the life out of you. You know who these people are, right? When you come in contact with them and you find yourself depleted and you find yourself lacking the energy and you feel exhausted from being in their presence because they took from you more than you were able to give or when you tried to give, it felt like giving it a black hole. Sometimes for me, Facebook does this to me. Social media does this to me. Rarely does it ever pull anything good out of me. And sometimes I find myself going there because I miss friends. And when I walk away from it, I don't feel fulfilled as if I had actually spent time with those friends. I know deep down inside that the truth is that if I miss my friends, I feel most fulfilled when I hear their voice in a phone call, when I'm able to encourage them and they're able to encourage me. Don't forget that you reserve the right to say no to the things that are not within your calling. If you're called to the families within your unit, your group, your squadron, wherever you're assigned, whatever it is that you call it and whatever branch that you're in, then say yes to that. But you may not also be able to say yes to the PWOC board or to the school PTA and the church youth group. Know what your calling is so that it gives you the words that you need in order to say no to the things that you're not called to. Don't allow guilt or actually it's not guilt. It's shame. It's I should be involved in here. I'm a bad mother if I don't get involved with the PTA or I'm not serving God enough or loving other people enough if I'm not involved in the PWC or volunteering in this or that or whatever. That is nothing but shame. Shame is I am fill in the blank. It's pointing at yourself and saying that there's something wrong with your personhood. Guilt is that feeling that I've done something wrong and I need to make it right. Guilt is quite productive, whereas shame is a swampland of the soul and it's a black hole and a black pit that's hard to get out of and nobody can help you get out of that except for you. So we've got to pay attention to the mommy guilt or the military spouse guilt that we sometimes put ourselves through, saying that we have to volunteer to everything when you may be spreading yourself so thin that you don't actually have the energy that you want to invest in the thing that is actually your calling. My challenge to you is to make a personal mission statement if you haven't already. Narrow it down to one to two sentences so that you know what your calling is and you have that statement to filter out and make all of your decisions by. For example, this podcast has a mission statement. It's a place for honest conversation and hope that will breathe life into your military marriage and home. Two things stand out to me all the time. Honest conversation and hope. When I'm tempted to talk about whether or not the commissary is carrying a certain brand that I like and wanting to have a conversation on this podcast, I have to ask myself, does it fit in with the mission statement? This mission statement helps me remove fluff like that and provide you with the topics that give you the most hope. Whether or not the commissary is carrying a certain brand that's important to me is not something that's going to give you hope in some of the darkest places of your life. 
So I thought I would take a minute to share with you a few of my personal mission statements that I need to personally do a much better job reading each and every day as I start off my morning. So I have an overall personal mission statement, and then I broke it down into categories and how it applies to each area of my life. So this is for me personally, and it's um, quite spiritual because I am a Christian. So those of you who don't want to make it spiritual, you don't have to. But this is personally what I live by. So my overall purpose is to become like Christ, to love like Christ, to focus my efforts on bringing the truth of God into darkness and serve with a community who longs to do the same. So when I break that down, that's one sentence. It's kind of got different parts, but it's one sentence. When I break that down. I break it down like this. Number one, my devotion to God. So my mission statement broken down from that main priority, that main purpose and my devotion with God is to daily humble myself in worship, fill my heart with the truth of scripture and pray for direction and healing. So number two, the second category is taking care of me. Number one, my devotion to God. Number two, taking care of me. And I wrote the mission statement as this to treat my body and mind as a temple of God, as a vessel to be used to glorify the Father by daily focusing on my health and taking my anxiety to the cross. I oftentimes struggle with anxiety, and I know that if I don't take it to the cross in my personal prayer time, it completely takes over my day. So the third category I have is family. My personal mission towards my family is to offer my best to my family before giving it to anyone else by serving my husband, investing in my children, and guarding my family's time and resources. That's part of my defense, if you will, is that I find that I sometimes give away my energy and I don't reserve it for my family first. So I have to write a personal mission statement that reminds me that I have to give to my family first. Number four, work any work that I do. My mission statement is this, to use my gifts and opportunities that God has revealed the greatest need, provided away, confirmed by others, and impressed on me to invest in. So I have found that me personally, I can get really excited about new ideas and and seeing a need for somebody here or there. And and I can often jump into that and find myself before I realize it, giving away tons of energy to something that wasn't fitting in with my talents, um, that wasn't confirmed by other people, whether it was my husband or good friends that said, yes, Corey, we do feel like this is an area that we need you or that you're best fit for. So I have to have a filtering for where do I direct my energy and I have to have an obvious need that there has to be a way that's been provided, that it's also been confirmed by other people that it's important in my life and that I have to feel a compelling to do it. If it doesn't meet those criteria, then I'm not going to do it. Number five, the last category is community because we all need a sense of community and that we're not doing life alone. So my personal mission statement for how do I protect and utilize the community of people in my life, my personal village, is to, this is the mission statement, to surround my life with those who can share in a mutual relationship of love, prayer, gratitude, and counsel with the wisdom of scripture and goodness of God. So that's a constant reminder to me that I need to surround myself with people that are about the same thing as I am, that are moving forward, that are surrounding themselves with prayer and with goodness. If if I'm around somebody who's negative and it's, and it's one of those energy wasters, then I have to 
realize that that may not be the best place for me to be a life giver, that I need to reserve my my energy for somebody who is really needing it and for somebody that I feel led to give it to. So make a personal mission statement. You won't believe how powerful it is and how helpful it is. Finally, the last one. A life giver must give her marriage and family her first fruits. As much as I hate hearing the phrase often used by the military, put your household in order, there is a lot of truth in it. No person can be mission ready if those that she's responsible for are neglected, in conflict, or in trouble. The place where you have the most impact and influence is in your home. Your husband is waiting and ready for you to invest life into him. By listening to the needs that he has expressed to you, and if he hasn't, you asking him and then really listening intentionally to that, he's ready to receive that. By paying attention to those little people living in your home, they're all waiting for the life-giving, nurturing power that can only come from you. Think of it this way. Whatever you may have or think that you may have to offer someone else only multiplies when you invest in it at home. What someone else might walk away saying, gee, that was really nice of her, gets a, that's an exactly what I needed in my life today when it comes from your husband and from your children every single time. Now that might be extremely difficult for some of you out there. Some of you are struggling with a service member that's struggling with PTSD, whose moods and symptoms seem to change on a daily basis, or has been wounded and you've been taking care of them, or whether they've come home with the emotional wounds of war and they're still struggling with losing battle buddies or struggling with moral injury because they've been asked to do something that was against their values. So some of you are really struggling with how do I be a life giver at home when my home feels like it's a black hole? And I'm exhausted. Some of you have a service member who's working extremely long hours and it's taking everything in you to not become resentful and lonely and angry. Some of you out there are learning to face how to set new rules and boundaries in your marriage after betrayal and disappointment has happened. There are so many different things that could be happening in your marriage and in your family. And honestly, there's so many different seasons of marriage and family as well. Our calling, we have to remember, is a life journey. Often we're going to need to take sabbaticals in our calling and give our first fruits. We should always be giving our first fruits to our family, but there come seasons in our life where we're going to have to put a calling that's outside of our home on the back burner. And we may have to take a season to take a sabbatical and give everything that you have to those that mean the most to you. It doesn't mean that you're going to lose your calling if you do this, but we have to remember that if we don't take care of your first responsibility, you maybe won't lose your calling, but you can very easily lose your family and lose the connections that are extremely important to you. Bring life to the garden that's in your own backyard before you start a greenhouse business. Take care of what's in front of you. I want to play another clip for you. And this clip is from someone else that I found through TED Talks. His name is Benjamin Zander. And if you've been to any of our marriage retreats, we've played this video for you before. 
I'm not going to play the full video. You can go to tedtalks.com, T-E-D-T-A-L-K-S, tedtalks.com, and search for Benjamin Zander um, and listen to his entire talk because it's absolutely incredible and life-changing. Um, he does a really good job putting perspective to life. But I'm going to just play a short clip of Benjamin Zander. And basically, he's a classical musician. And he was brought um, to the TED Talk convention to talk about how his mission changed as a conductor, as an orchestra conductor. And he's a very famous orchestra conductor and musician. And he spends time talking about how anybody can enjoy listening to classical music. But throughout the talk, he ends up talking about how his own mission changed in life and how he saw life in his interaction with other people. He realized that it wasn't just about bringing music to the world. It was about being a leader. And this is how he defined his passion. Now, I had an amazing experience. I was 45 years old. I'd been conducting for 20 years, and I suddenly had a realization. The conductor of an orchestra doesn't make a sound. My picture appears on the front of the CD. <laughs> but the conductor doesn't make a sound. He depends for his power on his ability to make other people powerful. And that changed everything for me. It was totally life-changing. People in my orchestra came up to me and said, Ben, what happened? That's what happened. I realized my job was to awaken possibility in other people. And of course, I wanted to know whether I was doing that. And you know how you find out? You look at their eyes. If their eyes are shining, you know you're doing it. You could light up a village with this guy's eyes. <laughs> So if, you, if the eyes are shining, you know you're doing it. If the eyes are not shining, you get to ask a question. And this is the question. Who am I being that my player's eyes are not shining? We can do it without, with our children, too. Who am I being that my children's eyes are not shining? That's a totally different world. And you know, I have a definition of success. I shared it with Paul Simon's son last night. It was such a thrill for me. He's... 16 years old, 15 years old, I can't remember. And I said, he said, what makes success? And I said, for me, it's very simple. It's not about wealth and fame and power. It's about how many shiny eyes I have around me. See. I absolutely love what Benjamin Zander has to say about shining eyes and looking for the shining eyes around you. Our home and our family has to be the first place that we look for those shining eyes. Now, I know that we're not perfect, and we're not going to be perfect every day. And if we expect ourselves to be perfect, then we're going to find ourselves wrong every single day. And we're going to find ourselves battling with shame every single day. So I'm not challenging you to be perfect. What I'm challenging you is to keep in the back of your mind that as a life giver, we have to pay attention to these three musts in our lives. Number one, what is your calling? If you don't know it, start to pay attention and look for it and start to define it. And if you do know what it is, then think about how are you actively trying to move that forward and being creative with it. Open our minds to think about what, it, what would it look like? for you to be creative so that no matter where your service member takes you, that you can still find your passion and your calling doing what it is that makes you happy and feeling fulfilled. We have to be creative with that. And sometimes technology helps with that. Sometimes it's getting involved in the community early on. But there are ways to be creative. 
Number two, you have to protect yourself. You have to protect your calling. Reserve your energy for the things that your calling fits in with. Learn to be on the offense and defense of protecting yourself, taking care of yourself, and then also learning to say no, that saying no is not mean. Saying no is setting good boundaries in your life. If you need help with learning how to say no, Boundaries, the book Boundaries by Townsend and Cloud. You can get it online. You can get an audiobook version of it. You can get a Kindle version of it. You could go to Barnes and Noble and get it. It's usually in the Christian section, but it's not too heavily Christian. But it is the best book on how to learn how to set boundaries in your life. And it's written by Townsend and Cloud. It will absolutely change your life. Number three, life givers have to put their family and their marriage first by giving her first fruits of her talents first at home. So I think that we have to pay attention to these musts in our life. We have to do these things first on a consistent basis before we can be a life giver in whatever it is that we're called to do. So in closing, I thought I would read an excerpt from a book that completely changed my life and introduced me to the world of life giving. It was about 10 years ago I picked up a book called Life Giving written by Tammy Maltby. It's hard to find this book now, and you may have to find it on Amazon if you're interested. Her last name is spelled M-A-L-T-B as in boy, Y. In it, Tammy describes that a life-giving woman is someone who holds an inner peace about her and that she can't help but impact whoever she comes in contact with. Here is an excerpt that I love to read in marriage retreats, and I wanted to take an opportunity to read it to you. Several weeks ago, I entered a place, and I was immediately met with the warmth of a life-giving woman. There was an ease about her, a quiet confidence, and an undeniable inner strength. Many others were there when I arrived, greeting and sharing with one another. Some even extended a thoughtful welcome. But when this life-giving woman reached out, I was deeply touched. She embraced my heart, she filled my spirit, and she refreshed me. There was a tangible love, an enthusiastic energy, passion, and grace in her, presen- in her presence. As I moved past her, I realized that I felt nurtured, cared for, and valued. It was as if I had strolled past a lovely garden. I longed to linger in the presence of this woman who knew the secret of life-giving, to breathe in the sweet fragrance of such a simple yet transforming beauty. In a brief encounter, she gave me life. How will you know when you've met a life-giving woman? Well, it goes something like this. When she speaks, you don't go away licking your wounds from a hurtful word. Instead, even her everyday words seem to be infused with the life-giving power and encouragement. When she does a good word or deed, you don't feel the heavy weight of obligation to return the favor. Instead, you're inspired to do something lovely in return. When she's with you, you never feel a cold shoulder because she brings warmth and acceptance into your life. When you go to her home for a meal, you don't feel impressed by the expensive decor, even if she does have a big budget. Instead, you feel the warmth of her home and the comfort of the beauty you find there. When you are around her, you don't feel overwhelmed by who she is. Instead, you feel inspired to be who you are meant to be. When you walk away from her, you don't feel discouraged by her accomplishments compared to yours. Instead, you walk away feeling motivated to do what you never thought possible, 
Do you know a life-giving woman? Because if you do, then you understand that she has brought love and warmth into your life. She has inspired you to do what you never thought possible. She has encouraged you to reach out and take risks. She has refreshed you with the living water that when the well of your life has run dry, you know that you've been with a life-giving woman. Because whether she has shared in a word or a deed, you feel helped, encouraged, and deeply inspired. More than anything, I want to be that for my husband and my children. I want them to look back and say, when Corey was around, I felt deeply touched and inspired. We carry so much responsibility and weight with the words that we choose every day and whether or not we find peace within ourselves and from whatever it is outside of ourselves to give back and be that peaceful person in those lives around us. After I've given to my family the first fruits of me, I hope that I can give what I have to you and, and use this place as a place to encourage you and inspire you and give you life. And I hope that we can meet wherever we can to inspire each other with the stories of amazing women doing life-giving things. Thanks for joining me, and I'm so looking forward to some of the future episodes of hearing some of you as life givers and what you're doing to impact those around you. Until next time. Would you like to send in a shout out and have it included on the Life Giver podcast? Anyone, civilian or military, can thank a military spouse who has made a difference in your life or say thank you to a service member for working hard on your marriage. Record your shout out by using your voice memo app available on your device and email it to Corey at CoreyWeathers.com or call in and leave a voicemail shout out to 706-431-7222 and we will do our best to include it in future podcasts.